Well, let's just cover in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you, Father, for the journey we're on as we continue to discover the place of next and being in the place of next. Help today, Father, for the word to flow and for me to be able to take a whole lot of information and compress it through your Holy Spirit and to deposit it. We thank you, Father, that you be glorified, that lives be changed, that eyes be opened, and that we receive both the understanding and the power to move from a glory to a glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, you might have seen the email that came out, and um, I don't know, it just sort of, as I was pondering covenant, um, and the Lord had spoken to me, and he was telling me that our places of next, we've been on this series of the place of next, so if you haven't been there, it sounds a little strange to you, but um, it's moving forward. I'm not going to go back through all of it. It's been several different weeks of building and, uh, and identifying, and uh, you should probably uh, order that series uh, so that you could listen to it. I think it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's fresh, it's new, and it is for anybody who's looking to be able to not only understand and find your destiny in the kingdom of God, but to be able to uh, achieve it, maintain it, and sustain it. That's what it's all about. Um, we are those that have been called at a very peculiar time in the kingdom of God, in the history of the world, and uh, we're those that Revelation says are going to overcome. We are overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and our word of our testimony. Testimony. So we need to be those who are informed, are, are empowered, and not only that, that are confident of what we have. And that's the intent. So as I was pondering covenant, and the Lord had spoken to me, and he had said, son, there are places where I establish and confirm my covenant. I began to research that in Scripture, and of course, we've been in um, the book of Genesis discussing Abram, who became Abraham, and understanding that he found the place of next. We remembered where he sent out his uh, servant looking for the matron to Israel after Sarah died, and they found Rebekah in the place of next and brought her back. And in that instance, there are some themes and patterns that we can then understand and use even as we understand the walk of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the, when I sent this out, what I said was that Abraham, Abraham had lunch with Jesus in the place of next. And I want to establish that for you because you too can break and have communion with Jesus in your place of next. And what I said was Abraham was sitting in the open door to his tent and it was the heat of the day. This comes out of Genesis 18, and I asked, what was he looking for? What was he expecting? Let's read some of the words, starting in verse 1 of Genesis 18. And it says, and the Lord appeared unto him, Abram, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Now, one thing for you to know is this area the best we know is close to Hebron. Hebron is where the caves are for the patriarch, and it's hard to get there anymore because it's somewhat occupied, but you still can get there. And uh, it's a very, considered a very holy place uh, to the Jews in Israel, and it's certainly a, a very significant biblical place. And he was sitting in his tent in the door in the heat of the day. Now, 
allow yourself to get the vision. Just don't read the word. Here's Abram. And at this point, he's 99 years old. And God called him out of the land of Ur when he was 75 years old. So he went from a place that he was familiar with and his family was in to another place, the place of next. And I'm going to show you how he established an altar there because he knew it was where he had experienced the presence of God. Remember last week we were talking about how significant it is to establish our altars and to sustain and maintain those altars in our life and not only inside of ourselves but in the places where we experience the presence of God because God's word is true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So it says, and he lift up his eyes and he looked. Well, that's a very interesting word because in the ancient Hebrew it's nasa. And, and, and it means more than just looking. It means that um, it, the word actually means seeing high. It can be interpreted seeing high. So Abram was seeing high. And what I said was he was obvi obviously in a revelation type of mood. He wanted to see something. He was looking beyond what was a very familiar wilderness look in this place of Mamre. And he lifted up his eyes with a revelation and anticipation and looked, and lo, it says, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Let's stop for a moment and take this in, and then we'll discuss the three men. Abram, how many times did he possibly stay in the tent door, the opening of his tent? looking out into the wilderness, always with an expectation, I assume. Why else would he be looking? And the Spirit of the Lord nudged him, and he began to look up high. And when he looked up high with a revelation sense, all of a sudden there appeared to him three men. Interesting that his servants, who were probably also the security guards for that area, nobody came to him and said, there's three strangers on the way. He didn't see them coming up over a hill. Where he saw them was in what was called the trees of that area of Mamre. In fact, they're considered to have been oak trees, and there was one particular oak tree that then became some type of a cultural idol. And he looked, and there were these three men suddenly. Well, because of his past experience with the manifestation of the God of Abraham, look what he did. Now, consider his age. How old? 99 years old, he saw these three men, and when he saw them, he walked very slowly, carefully watching every one of his steps so as not to fall and break his hip. What did he do? He ran. Now, I don't know how many times you've seen a 99-year-old man run, but that in itself is pretty exciting, isn't it? I mean, right now, if you wanted to watch the 67-year-old guy run, you know, I can get there, but... It's not graceful anymore. And, uh, and he ran. He ran to meet them from the tent door. And then he worshiped and bowed down to the ground. Now, you're going to understand why in a moment. Not just because of the revelation of the presence of who had come to his place of next, but because of where his place of next was. And he cries out, my Lord. Well, actually, the word, the real word is Jehovah, Jehovah. And uh, we don't do a very good 
job in this interpretation into the English because when that word is translated appropriately, uh, we then understand that the rest of the word that says that no man has looked upon the face of God, that would be the Father. So who appeared to him? Jesus, Yeshua. And so here's the first encounter that we actually see where it's, it's given us a clarification of who this presence of God was. Now, remember, God called him out, and we're going to go back to that in, in, in Genesis 13 in a moment. And he cries out, Jehovah, if I have found favor in your sight, don't go away. I pray, stay with your servant. Look at the eagerness. He wasn't going to let the moment pass him by. Even though he might have been looking for a long time, waiting for the promise, waiting for the Lord to return where he had met him before, even though he'd been looking for a long time, when the moment came, he ran. Beloved, we need to understand the same thing. When we're entering into our place of next, we need to hasten and run to it. We don't want to drag our feet. We don't want to be double-minded. We don't want to look back. And that's what happened to Lot, didn't it, to his wife. You don't want to look back. It's time to run. Look at Father Abraham. He ran, 99 years old. He ran, and then he worshiped. We run into the altar of the place of next, and that's a place of worship. And the first thing that the Lord responds to is that we recognize that God is in the house. And the second thing is, is that we worship him. We worship him before we even ask him for something don't we? That's why it's so important to establish with worship. That's why I have to tell you a long, 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 long time ago, given my walk with the Lord, I can't just worship with three songs and out. I can't just get a hymnal out and just go through the motions with God because then I'm saying, Lord, just go through the motions with me. We really want a relationship, don't we? And because of that heart, then God was able to continue to fulfill the covenant that he established with Abraham. How many of you know that you and I, we are the seed, the descendants, and the blessings of that covenant? How many of you know that? So what has changed? Nothing's changed. God's the same. We have to be careful to run and hasten into the promises of the covenant when they come our way. We have to let go of the things that are holding us back and say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to run to you, and while I do, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bow down to you, and I'm going to beg you as Abraham did. He says, I pray, don't leave me. Don't pass me by. Now, what does that tell us? You can get passed by your blessings. They can go right by us, and we never saw them. We never were able to, to grab a hold of them. As Paul would said, to apprehend that. He says, I continue to apprehend even though I could have been apprehended, but I'm not apprehended because I'm still apprehending. I'm still grabbing it. I'm still taking it. I'm still reaching out. I'm still going onward and upward. And even though I've received a lot, I'm still apprehending. Abraham had the same spirit. Lord, Jehovah, don't pass me by. Stop. If your servant has found favor with you, stop. Well, let's think about that a moment. He already knew he had favor because God showed up. 
You think God was showing up with all the tribesmen out there in the plains? I don't think so. He had already shown up, but he was challenging the Lord with a word and a declaration. If I'm truly your favorite, don't pass me by. And who are the favorite of God? You are. Who's been made the righteousness of God? You are. I am. You are. We're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. If we're the righteousness of Christ, if he's in us and and we're in him, is Christ highly favored? Can you be more favored than Yeshua is? Is there any more favor in all of the universe than the, the almighty Christ who God said is so highly esteemed that he sat him on the throne and said, this kingdom is yours? He gave him the kingdom. He gave him the church. He gave him our souls. He gave it all to him to process and give back to the Father. That's how highly favored we're supposed to be. Abraham cried out, if I have favor with you, don't pass me by. Stop a moment. And then to make sure, he worshiped. He worshiped the Lord in that place of his next. And he says, my Lord, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. And wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. That was the tree we'll learn a little more about. And he says, I'm going to go fetch you a morsel of bread, and I'm going to comfort your hearts. Look what he speaks to. Now understand something. In this translation, it's not the way we would consider hearts. Certainly it's not the physical heart. It's not the heart that's beating. It's more the spirit. It's more the mind and the emotions. It has a lot to do with the very character of who the Lord is himself. And here's Abraham saying, I'm going to give comfort to your hearts. Do you think that the comfort he was going to give to them was just that he was going to wash their feet? Or that he was going to give them some cakes to eat? No. The comfort he was going to give to them was the fact that they realized he was the son of the covenant that they had come to meet. The comfort that he was looking at was prophetic and spiritual. The comfort that we can give God is when we say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Lord, whatever you have, here I am. That pleases the Father. We can't offer him sacrifices except our praise and our worship and ourselves and our lives. It's the only sacrifices that have any semblance at all of of some kind of value at the throne room of God. Everything else is works and dirty rags. So Abraham is giving us a prophetic look, an insight into how do we encounter God in the place of the covenant. How do we find him and, and, and not only that, put a demand on him for his favor. He was putting a demand on the Lord. He was, it's as if he was coming by and he grabbed a hold of him like a little child and he's not letting go of the leg. He said, I'm going to comfort your heart. Now, hold on, I'm going to feed you and we're going to eat first and I'm going to serve you, but I'm not letting go until I get what you came for. And didn't that go through the family line? Huh? And who do you think the man was that came to wrestle with Jacob a couple generations later at a place where his grandfather had built an altar, the place of next, the same place. He took a rock. Jacob did it was there. He made it a, a place for his head, a pillow. He laid his head upon one of the fragmented pieces of the altar that his grandfather had made, and guess what happened? Jesus showed up. 
not just in a dream, but in a vision. He said, surely I'm in the place of God. (laughs) He said, I'm in the place. I see angels going up and down, and they're coming to and from heaven and earth. My eyes have been opened up as Abraham's eyes were opened up. And they wrestled, holding on, would not let go until he got his blessing. And all of a sudden, we have the birth of Israel because it wrestled. Israel's still wrestling. Israel hasn't quit wrestling. We're supposed to be wrestling with Israel. We're supposed to be contending for the blessings of Israel with Israel. Abraham was a contender. He left the place of Ur. I mean, you know how hard that was? Took Sarah and took Lot, and he took off to nowhere. He didn't know where he was going, to the Canaanites. And he planted himself in a place just at the word of the Lord, desperate and hungry to see God. I'm going to give you some water. I'm going to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. We're going to get you some bread and comfort your hearts. And and after that, then you can go on. But for therefore, you have come to your servant. He's getting down to business now. You really came here for me. Do you think maybe under the cool of his tent, he was somehow learning to pray? Do you think maybe in the cool of that tent without having prayer lessons and not going to Bible school and not having a full Bible written out. Do you think maybe that Abraham was talking with God, wondering if he heard him? Do you think maybe he was in the cool of the heat of the day and he's saying, hey, hey, God, where are you? You brought me to this place. My wife can't have a baby. My people, they, all they want is what I have. You've given me so much. My nephew, he's a pain in my tush. Lord, where are you? And do you think maybe he just didn't give up? Do you think maybe he just had enough faith to believe that God had already shown himself in that place where he had an altar and that God was going to show himself again in that altar? And that the same God that he's believed in is not going to forsake him nor leave him. And that the same God that he believed in was going to continue to build upon his vision. He'd already given him the provision. He wasn't asking for more to go anywhere. He was asking to go. He wanted understanding. He wanted direction. And he wanted the fulfillment of the promise. And so there he sits. And so what does he do like any good Jew? Abram hastened into the tent where Sarah was. And he tells her, get in the kitchen, woman. Get there quickly. He doesn't say, take your time, Sarah. You know, I know you're old too. You're 90. I'm 99. We're old people. Sarah, just take your time, honey. Don't break anything on the way into the kitchen and you know, I know you're a little tired, and I know you got to take your Geritol, and I, I know there. He says, woman, hurry! Hurry! The Lord is in this place. Make him communion bread. Make him some bread. The first notice we have of man breaking bread with Jesus 
right here in this place. Make some cakes, woman, made by the hands of the mother of Israel. Now fast forward. Jesus breaking the bread at Pesach. And he says, take and eat of this. This is my body, which I'm given for you. Do you know what a covenant is? I mean, legally, it's an agreement, right? It's a contract. But you know what it really is? According to the, the real Hebrew definition of covenant, it's cutting. Cutting. That's why circumcision, sign of the covenant. Yee, every man go, ooh. Mm. That's why God was gracious. The first thing he told Abraham was, we're going to have a sign of the covenant, a cutting. So cut everybody. Abraham, what? Cut them all. Everyone who's with you, everyone you paid for, you bought, whether they're Jew, whether they're Gentile or Hebrew, I should say, wherever they came from, cut them. Make a covenant soul. There you have all these men, grown men getting cut. And one of them is in the season of Das. 13 years old. His name is Ishmael. That's where that all started at. And Ishmael gets cut and circumcised, but yet he never was put into the covenant. And God put a new commandment out because Isaac was on his way. The men had visited in the place of next. They broke and had communion with Abraham. Isaac was promised. Sarah laughed. I mean, you would too, 90 years old. Your husband, he, he can't even get up out of bed, let alone be in bed. He said, this old fogey, I'm older. He's older than me. What are we going to do? She laughed. And God said, I heard her laugh. Abraham got scared. Is, is he going to leave and pass the blessing by because the woman in the kitchen laughed? Well, you would have laughed too. God said, I heard you, but it doesn't change anything. This is a covenant. You are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And whether you laugh, you wince, you stumble, you fall, whether you blew it or didn't blow it, it will not change because the Lord understands. And in that place, he says, I got you. And don't you think he laughed a little with Sarah? I think he did. I think the three men, watch what this happens. They giggled. They laughed. And God said, in the time of life shall come forth the child. Well, I spend too much time on some stuff. I spend a lot of time on the time of life. Because I just didn't think it was only nine months. I just didn't think it was only one year, even though the scripture says this time next year. I said, no, there's more to it. What's the prophetic meaning for the time of life? Well, as you look deeper, you have to get into some of the writings of the rabbis and some of the other stuff, and then it really opens up to you. And you understand that what happened there was prophetically the Lord said there's going to be a gestation period. There's going to be a period where something's going to conceive and it's going to begin to grow. And at the right time, in its season, that's the time of life, yeah. then it shall come forth. Yeah. 
Beloved, you're in the place of next. You're conceiving. You're receiving. Something is growing, and it's going to birth. And in the right season, it's coming out. And nothing's going to stop it. Not you giggling, not you missing, not you stumbling. Nothing is going to stop it as long as you put your heart and forth to the Lord and say, don't pass me by. Hold on to the promises of God. Abraham, woman, cook now. Make cakes. It's time to commune. And what does he do? He washes their feet. Oh, my God. It's the whole New Testament coming alive. See, one time, <laughs> it's the very first time I preached in a, in a big Pentecostal church. And I gave it all I had. I was so happy with myself. I went at it. I brought in the Old Testament, the New Testament. I brought in Moses. I brought in Jesus. I brought in Paul. I brought in Revelation. I got it all. And I did it within the 52 minutes they gave me with a clock in the back saying five minutes left, four minutes left, three minutes left. And when I was all done, one man came up to me like this. The minute somebody comes up to you like this, what does that tell you? Comes up to me like that. And I say, yes. He says, do you know how many times you quoted the Old Testament? I said, I honestly don't. He said, you quoted the Old Testament 12 times. I said, did I now? He goes, yes. I said, that's a good catch. He said, you know how many times you quoted the New Testament? I said, no. Only eight times. I said, really? I said, so, my friend, you have a wall in your Bible? And which wall do you stay on the side of? And he looked at me and he went, that's what I thought you were going to be like. And he walked away. The word in the books of Moses and the Pentateuch and in the law and the prophets, it amplifies everything that we learn. If Jeremiah didn't tell us about a new covenant that was coming in Jeremiah 31, if he didn't tell us that this new covenant was coming that was going to do something that was transformational in our lives, we might have been confused. Paul wouldn't have had anything to draw back on, and then Ezekiel took it further, and he says it's a spiritual transformation. You're going to get a brand new heart. The Gentiles would have never known their heart could be circumcised if it wasn't for the prophets. They wouldn't know that there was a spiritual cutting away that allows to enter into the covenant of God. It's not just a grafting, it's surgery. It's spiritual surgery. Abraham falls at their feet. He washes their feet. Can you imagine Jesus when the woman came? and wiped his feet with her hair. He's probably smiling. I know what he said. It's in John 8. He said, Abraham longed to sing my day, and he saw it. That's what he told the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They said, what? What? You, you're saying you saw Abraham? He says, yes, he longed to see my day, and he saw it. Not once, not twice, but three times and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and now us. We get to see 
Abraham's day through Jesus Christ. Abraham got to see our day through Jesus Christ. Hold on. What does that tell you about the place of next? Timeless. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is good stuff. Timeless. Eternal dimension. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he can be in your past, your present, and your future. And he can resolve your bloodline. He can resolve generational things. He can rewrite the story of your life. Because Abraham longed to see his day. And he saw it. When he took that knife up, once again believing that God, who had visited him a couple times, but this time he put him on a strange altar. It wasn't in a place that was familiar to him. He carried up wood to a strange place on the mountainside. Only he and his son, his only son. How many times did the Lord say, take your only son? Ooh, rubbing in it hard. Yes, take your only son, Isaac. But, 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 but Lord, my problem, take him. Sacrifice him to me. They go up to the altar, and Abraham's hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. Lord, don't pass me by. Hanging on, hanging on. Lord, I'm old. I don't want to have to go have another son now. Lord, please, please, Lord. It's his time of dust. It's the time of his season. Takes that knife up, and all of a sudden, there he goes, transforming again, and he sees the Lamb of God. And no longer, time stops. Isaac's horrified. He's looking at the dagger. He's looking at his father. He's tied up on this altar. He knows what's coming next. And God transports him again prophetically to another dimension, another place. And he sees a horrible scene. He sees... Jesus, who he had lunch with, Shisakatoye, under the mumbre tree. He sees him coming down a, a, a path with cobblestones and blood dripping. He sees people jeering at him, spitting on him. He sees him broken and bleeding, his back cut to shreds and pieces, barely able to walk. He watches him. He sees the nails go in. He sees the cross go up. And then he hears, and he looks, and there's the lamb. He longed to see my day, said Jesus, and he saw. Do you long to see his day in your life right now? Can you get the semblance of the drama? What does he do? Look what Abram does. 99-year-old Abram. Verse 7, Abraham ran unto the herd. <laughs> this guy is about ready to have a heart attack. He's running again. He runs unto the herd, probably sucking a little oxygen. <laughs> He's running to the herd. He goes to his own herd. 
and he fetches a calf, tender and good. Now, I know I'm a little crazy. I I dug deep into that translation of good. (laughs) Good. You know what it means? God good. God good. Good for God. God good. He ran to the herd and found a calf that was God good. Good for God. Ah, the best. He picked it out himself. And he grabbed this calf. And look what he does with it. It's making me hungry. He took butter and milk. And he had it dressed. And then he sat it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and watched them to eat. And then came the promise. Where's your wife, Sarah? And then he gets the promise. And then the Lord says this to him. I heard Sarah laugh, verse 13. But she's going to have a child. I heard you stumble, says the Lord. But you're going to have a child. I saw you fall, but you're going to have a child. I heard you when you said, God, this is too much for me. I quit. I didn't quit. We're in covenant. And the place of next is a covenant place. It's not the covenant of old. It's not the covenant Noah had. It's not the covenant that Abraham even had. It's not even the covenant that Moses had. It's not the covenant that David had. It's the new covenant of Jesus Christ where he's the mediator in heaven that's still working it. He's still working it. And the way he's working it is because we know he knows we don't work it very well. If it was reliant upon us to have this covenant agreement, we lose But he says, you know what? That didn't work. We had five of those covenants, and y'all blew it every time. So God says, this time, the promise, Jehovah, Jesus, he's the lamb of the covenant. This time, it's not by you, it's by me, saith your God. I'm going to do it. All you have to do is believe. And accept that this is what I do. Not what I did. Not what I did. Get out of the past tense in your faith. So many Christians are in the past tense. I was saved in 1972. I am so tired of hearing people's testimonies of how they, hey, I don't care how you got saved. And you shouldn't care how I got saved. I care about what are you doing today? What are we doing tomorrow? Where's the place of next? How are we going forward? Give me a new testimony because your old one ain't going to save me. I need a new one. We got to get out of the past tense into the present. And then we go into the future present. How many know what that is? That tense. I, I know Cheryl knows that. Cheryl Green, she's got that down pat. Perfect. Present perfect tense. Going forward, something that's active and going and moving right now. It's not stale. Now, faith. Now. Somebody say, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What kind of faith? Now, faith. Not old faith. Old faith doesn't do nothing for you. The word says we move from a faith to a faith. Get out of that faith. Get on to the next faith. We move from a glory to a glory. Get out of that glory. Move on to the next glory. He says with that, I move from a strength to a strength. We got to move. We got to keep going. 
The place of next needs to be discovered. Just because you got there doesn't mean you know where you are. I don't. I'm there, but I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Sometimes I hit a speed bump. I fall down. And then I read. The Lord says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but I will lift him up. I say, thank you, Jesus. Your mercy and your grace will follow me all the days of my life. Praise the Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto my path and a light unto my feet. You know what? I see myself like a torch. I got a torch of the Holy Spirit, and it might be dark, and I may not know exactly where I'm going, but that torch gives me night vision. And in that night vision, I see clearly because I have the Word of God, not just the Logos Word, which is good, but the Rhema Word of God. Abraham was pulling down Rhema from God Almighty, from Jesus Christ. He was pulling it out of him. Sarah laughed. And God laughed too. He said, don't worry, Abram. I got it. Don't worry about the woman in the kitchen. Don't worry about it. I, I mean, hey, let's not put Abraham up on a pedestal, right? I mean, he told ooh, a nasty chieftain that that wasn't his wife. He told her that was his sister. And then he lied. I mean, he didn't lie. He said, well, it's really not a lie because we had the same father but not the same mother. Oh, okay. I see. So let's not put him on a pedestal. He was a very dysfunctional guy, this Abraham. And God worked through that too. How much does that make you feel good? I know it makes me feel good. How about you, Pastor Jeff? You feel a little better? You could be a little dysfunctional and God's still going to deal with you? I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I hope you like it a lot. I need it a lot. I, I want it. Lord, don't let, don't pass me by. I may not be a lot of things, but I'm going to hold on to you like a bad dream. You're not shaking me loose. I'm not letting go. And he's pulling his leg, and I'm right there with him. Don't pass me by. I need what you got. Let me have it. Well, come back with me for a moment to Genesis 13.1. This is going to excite you. Jim Mindy's going to come up out of his chair and he's going to slap Jim Mariotti. <laughs> I fly away, Lord Jesus. Genesis 13.1. Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife. Now remember, God calls him out of Ur. He comes 75 years old. He ends up in this place where he doesn't know where he's at with a bunch of strange people. They don't even speak the same language. They're all looking at each other strange. Abraham's not really a warrior yet. They weren't fighters. They were craftsmen, idol workers, where he came out of. He's in this land. And God calls him out here to the middle of nowhere, to a place of next that's nowhere. So he, he, he then comes and guess what happens? A famine. God calls him to a place where there's a famine. Oh, boy. Not a good place of next. So God sends him into Egypt. He goes into Egypt, and there everything gets nourished. 
And he ends up with so many cattle and herds and, 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 and goods and wealth, however he got it over there. And also does his nephew, Lot. So now he's coming back from Egypt. What a journey he's had. And Abram went out of Egypt and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him unto the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now there's a good Jew for you. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel. Larry, what's Bethel mean? Place of God. House of God. Listen to where he went. Who named it Bethel? He did. It wasn't named Bethel by the heathen Canaanites. They had gods. They didn't say El. Bethel. Bethel. House of God. So he called this the house of God. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come out of her. I'm here. Well, here God spoke to me. This is Bethel, the place of God. But then there's a famine. So he has to go to Egypt to get his wealth. He had to go to Egypt to get his wealth. I will give you the riches of the heathen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. In your place of next, you are to receive the riches of the heathen. Come on. You should die. You're supposed to get rich in the place of next. You're not supposed to be poor. Not poor in spirit, not poor in faith, not poor in money, not poor in anything. In your place of next, it's called Bethel, the house of God. And so he arrives at Bethel. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place. Which place? The place of next. Where his tent had been at the beginning. Now you ready? And unto the place of the altar. Hey! Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there, in that place, Abraham had called on the name of the Lord. Don't break down your altars. Don't leave them behind. Your altar continues to build. God says in Ezekiel, in the place that you declare my name, that's the place of my presence. And in my place of my presence comes your blessings. How excited do you think Abram was when he got back to Bethel? Except now he had all kind of wealth. So much wealth that he and Lot, they had a dispute. The land couldn't support them both. So, you know, Lot, that snake. Abraham says, you see which way you go. You either go that way or that way. If you go that way, I'll go that way. If you go that way, I'll go that way. Lot goes, ah, Kimisabi. He says, that way's lush. 
I'm looking into the Jordan. It's grass. It's green. He's looking through natural eyes. He fails to see the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he goes that way. Abram goes that way. Lot walks to his doom, loses everything. Abraham walks into the blessings of the covenant. Supernatural eyes. You could have it right in front of you and not see it. You could be tempted and teased to go this way instead of that way. You could fall into the temptations and the lust of the flesh. You could fall into the reason of your own mind and miss God and pass by you. Abraham goes that way. The place where he built the altar, God visited him again. Now do you understand why? In 18, do you know where he was at? In the tent at that same place of the altar. He was waiting for God to show up again. 99 years old. He said, he's coming. Can you imagine Sarah who laughed when the three men actually came? She'd probably look at him and say, Abram, you lazy old fool. You're sitting in the tent day after day after day. Why don't you go play golf or something? Abram says, he's coming back. He's coming back. Beloved, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And this earth is his betel. This earth is his house. This earth is his kingdom. We are the body of Christ, and he's coming back for his bride. You're in your place of next. You have a covenant with God. God told Abram, now go discover what you have here. And he did, and he continued to. And that legend went on to Isaac, and it went on to Jacob, and it went on to where finally they weren't afraid of giants, and Joshua crossed over, and they received the promise of the fulfillment of what Abram had. Beloved, we don't have enough generations. Jesus is coming. Don't wait for Joshua to get your promise. You need to grasp it now. You need to say, Lord, this is my time. This is my moment. This is who I am. And yes, you could have real tangible problems that are hard to overcome. But don't look at them with Lot's reason. Don't look at them with natural eyes. Don't try to solve it naturally because all it will do is bog you down. You need to open up and get supernatural eyes of God and have revelation. You have to have a revelation type of mood sitting in the doorstep of your Bethel. Activate the altar. Sustain your altar. Do it with worship. Do it with prayer. Do it with the word of God. Do it with rhema. Do it with your prayer language. Do it with, just declare God. And don't let go and expect that his presence is coming to redeem you. He's coming. Yes, Jesus is coming, but you're in the place of next. Don't keep waiting 
for big neon signs to come out and say, here you are. You're there, unless you don't believe you're there. If you don't believe you're there, you're not there. If you believe you're there, you're there. Now it's time to do what? Expand the pegs of your tent. Take your tent pegs, expand them a little bigger. You know what happens when you have a bigger tent? Say? You have more space? Six bedroom instead of two bedroom. You have a bigger door to the tent. Oh! You have a bigger door to the tent. Why do you have a bigger door to the tent? Because there's more coming in. There's more coming in. There's more coming in. Bigger tents let more people in. They might have two doors, three doors, four doors. You might have an in-law suite. I don't know. At least he laughed. Listen. We are on the place of next. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I believe that this word isn't just for the few of us that are willing to grasp it here in this little house or those online. I believe it's a message for the body of Christ today. And I believe that there's a separation happening. Before Abram could move forward in his promise, there had to be a separation. He and Lot had to separate. There's a cutting a sanctification. God is separating the wheat and the tares in the body of Christ right now. There's a cutting away. There are those that are going to say, Lord, here I am. I'm not letting go. And there's going to be others that are going to say, I don't need any more of that. I'm okay where I'm at. I need to do the things that I'm doing because this is a tough world to live in. And I understand, but, but, but Lord, this is, you're, you understand, this is the way I'm doing it. And you said your grace is sufficient for me, so I'm just going to keep practicing the bad things that I do because your grace is going to cover it anyway. And the cries of Sodom and Gomorrah get louder and louder until destruction comes. We're in the place of next. What shall we do with it? Lord willing, next Sunday, I want to touch on Provision, provision in the place of next. Amen? Amen. How many of you say, I could use some provision in the place of next? Amen? Amen. I want some provision in the place of next. How many of you say, you know what, Pastor? Give me those keys. Give me those keys to unlock those doors. Anybody, Anybody here like those keys to unlock those doors? Let's go do it next Sunday. Amen? God bless you.